Hello, welcome to Friends at Film Camp, the podcast where two friends gab by the fire about fun film perspectives. I'm Gideon. And I'm Luke. Today we're discussing Frozen. Frozen is a 2013 Walt Disney Animation film. It was, at the time of its release, the fifth most successful film of all time. Mm-hmm. The film is directed by Chris Buck and Jennifer Lee. Jennifer Lee now being the head creative officer at Walt Disney Animation. Um, yeah, the film follows the story of Princess Elsa and of Arendelle as she goes through the journey of her ice powers with her sister, Princess Anna. And they have wonderful adventures. It's Frozen. You've probably seen it. Mm-hmm. So, Jinian, what did you think of Frozen? Okay. So, okay. I had bad... Not bad intentions. <laughs> I didn't have a good impression of Frozen before seeing it, which is why I had never seen it before. Um, so I had bad feelings towards it, but I was willing to like it. That being said, I didn't like it. Yeah, I could tell by your facial reactions watching the film. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen you have so many different ways to look at a movie with anger. I think it's just like... <sighs> bad movies don't bother me that much, but because I know that this movie did so well, it bothers me that it's bad. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Thank you. I'm very interested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what about the film bothered you so like in terms of its plot what bothered you so much about it um okay what bothered me about the plot i found the i found everything very underdeveloped in terms of like the characters they were often not super defined but what really bothered me was the character relationships like elsa and anna's relationship is central to the movie and it's really important that we, like, care about them. And we only had one scene of buildup to get us to care before they are separated and they're not allowed to talk to each other. So we have no more development of the sibling relationship. And then it's central for the rest of the movie. Like, I needed more interaction for me to, like, care about that and to understand the relationship. Well, they had more than one scene together before. They had... Uh, I think two whole musical numbers in the intro. Not two. They only have the one where where they build the snowman. And then then they have a song called, Do You Want to Build a Snowman? Yeah, but that's not them together. No, but that's them growing apart. That's not them growing apart. That's them never interacting again. Which I can't even be fully invested in because there's only one scene before that where I even saw them interact. I needed more of them so that I'm invested in their relationship before they're separated. I want to feel very sad that they can't be together. I want that to be like dramatic. And because I only saw them together once, it's like not as dramatic as it could have been. Okay. Don't do storybook rules apply in that regard? What do you mean? The need to get a story moving. So they just expect you to understand the relationships before. I don't know. I, is that storybook rules? I I would say that that would fall under fairy tale rules in the same way that uh, in most Disney films you can accept the fact that they fall in love with someone in 10 seconds solely for the fact that if they showed you falling in love with it for the proper amount of time to fall in love, 
it would take a really long part of the movie and there's another plot that has to be told. Yeah. So saying that so saying that two sisters love each other mm-hmm. is a reasonable uh, expectation of the audience, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, but because, okay, so for a musical especially, right, you tell a lot through music. And I do agree that there is like a suspension of disbelief to believe sort of like great strides are made through like one song, Um, which like we've, I know you've told me this before when I have like problems with musicals, you're like, it's, it's, it's musical logic. So I can understand that. But I think, which we'll, we'll talk about later when we go to like the music. If I think to like um, the opening Entangled with Mother Gothel, I think that song, specifically the song and the musical number, told me a lot about not only the current state of Mother Gothel and Rapunzel's um, relationship at that moment, but the past of it. There was like an implied past where I didn't find that, I didn't get that detail from from the opening song. Okay, so you weren't getting uh, an established relationship built strong enough for the film to have a meaningful impact on you beyond that moment. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think even ignoring what I said before where I wanted more build up, if the song had more to it, then maybe I would have been able to like accept that. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. I Wait, wait, before we... Do you like the movie? <laughs> uh, I... Ha... I enjoy the movie. I don't think it's a good movie, mm-hmm. but I get joy from watching the movie. Do you think it's, like, on par with other Disney princess movies? Yes, but because it... But not in the same way. Other films do other things than this one. Okay. Uh, other Disney films focus on a very romance development and uh, focus on a very different narrative of growth, of structure, in terms of moving characters through their story than Frozen does. Mm-hmm. Frozen is so focused on relationship of the sisters which i can understand why you find it difficult but i think that it when it has those strong moments it really excels in the sister relationship Mm -hmm. compared to other films which are more about the adventure to end with love this is a film about regaining it yeah which is a very nice way i think to move forward the disney princess narrative yeah no, I see that. And uh, none of my problems were with the ideas in the plot. I actually like a lot of the broad strokes, if that makes sense. I just felt that um, the the how those broad strokes were built up to and how they were connected weren't as strong as they could have been, um, which made me like less invested than I wanted to be. That's understandable. Yeah. Uh, I want to bring us to the point in the film. Yeah. The, essentially the start of the scenes from when Elsa reveals her powers onward. Yeah. Because I think by that point, the 
relationship aspect shouldn't have been a burden in the same way because you would have known what the film was wanting you to get. What do you so mean? We, uh, the film, even if you weren't able to get the relationship before, when Elsa reveals her powers and runs away mm-hmm. and Anna says, I'm going to go after her, I think the audience now understands even if the film didn't do the best job showing their relationship, that they have a strong one and they want an else Anna's going. So I'm kind of wanting to focus on that right now. Okay. Uh, What did you think of the climbing up and down the mountain? Which, before anything, which is the thing I thought during the movie was, for a mountain, people can get up and down that thing really quickly. Mm -hmm. So it's clearly not that big of a mountain. No. Well, okay, so, first of all, the thing, the whole inciting incident was, okay, I think music is just going to be intertwined with the plot, as it should be with the musical, but I think the inciting incident for Elsa kind of going bad, like, she didn't go fully bad, which I think she should have. She didn't go bad at all, she just showed her powers and people got scared. Yeah. She didn't do anything evil. I guess. I guess the inciting incident for her running away then. It's the, What? Yeah, it's her revealing her powers and running away. Well, she did, she doesn't, like, reveal them. Like, it's not a conscious... No, but her powers are revealed. Yes. And her running away was... <sighs> okay, I felt like that should have been a really big moment, and I, I wanted more to go into that moment as well. Anyway, besides the point. So, then... As soon as she runs away, we have let it go. And that was fucking weird to me because it I felt like that that was that felt like a sad moment. She just got run out of the kingdom. Everyone like thought she was awful. She ran away from her sister. She's going to go live by herself and suddenly we're like triumphant. Like that felt like it needed to be the we hadn't even really had the like that was the song where you overcome your struggles. And it's like we hadn't even had the struggle part of the movie yet. And we were overcoming it before we struggled. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That took me so off guard. I mean, when we watched it, I was like, this is happening right now. Like, it was in, like, the first act, wasn't it? Or the beginning of the second. Like, that was a third act song. Okay. Uh, I think just overall, Frozen has a problem balancing where they put their songs. And yeah. It's very front-heavy, and then they just stop. That's true. But, I didn't uh, even notice that there's like no songs later. But uh, I would I agree that even the first time I watched it, I didn't realize how much of a tonal shift. Yeah. She like runs away, and then Anna Anna is like, "I'm gonna go get her." Yeah. And then Elsa is just in the mountains, very like, "Good thing that's over with." Yeah. And it's like, but you were very sad a moment ago. Yeah, it's like she's like overcome a huge burden, but Mm -hmm. that wasn't the the tone of the previous scene. See, if the tone of the previous scene was like Elsa getting angry or deciding, you know, I'm not gonna hide anymore. I'm going to show them, like, I'm a scary ice lady and I don't care about any of you anymore and I'm running away to live in the mountains. Then it would make more sense that she's like, oh, now I fucking got rid of those people. But because it it was, like, against her will, like, it was an accidental decision, it it was, like, it was, yeah, it was a very weird tonal shift. 
if Elsa had chosen to reveal her powers, yeah. then she could say she's being triumphant. But she didn't choose any of that. Yeah. The only thing she chose was to run away. And the tone was very sad. Because, like, every... Her people who she supposedly knew all her life and, like, her kingdom, who's supposed to love her, thought she was, like, a scary, like, monster. Which, normally in movies, you're not happy about. <laughs> no, I agree with that tonal shift. I think... uh that's a good point or moment to bring up the original plot yeah. of the films. Uh, I know you actually said you had a different version of the film yes. that you've created. And so I was curious if you could say what your original version is, and then I could read what Entertainment Weekly reported was the original version of the script. Okay, so the first, the opening music sequence to the film, when we first saw it, I was like, that's fine. But as we got further into the film, I kind of got mad at it because I didn't felt felt like it did anything um, in terms of it, like, maybe kind of established the world and it introduced us to Kristoff, but we could have been introduced to him later. It wasn't necessary to the film, which I thought that it would have been... Why are you looking at me like that? Okay. <laughs> I well, thought... Okay, I'll say it now. Okay. I saw it as an... As an equivalent to an overture. Yes. So instead of just having lots of music playing, they just had a scene in place of the overture to set the tone of the movie in that it's cold, it's icy, etc., uh, etc. Et and then Kristoff was thrown in there as a cute extra. The reason I have a problem with it is not it of its own merit. It's the fact that they didn't... I think they needed that time and they didn't use it correctly. So, my alternate plot as I was writing as we watched the movie was, I think that scene should have been Anna, Elsa, and their parents being a happy family, right? I think their parents should be talking to Elsa and being like, you cannot use your ice powers around your sister. It's dangerous. You shouldn't do it. Maybe they were playing earlier and like something happened and they're like, don't do it. And then that scene later, where Anna convinces her to go play with her ice powers for fun. She's a kid. It's not her fault. But they break the rules after they've already been told not to do this. And then I think it should be directly Elsa's fault. Like, by accident. But it should be her fault that she hits Anna. Because I think that she needs... She's already kind of guilty. But it's really established that it isn't her fault. I think it should be her fault. Because I think... Um that is important for her to later turn into the villain <laughs> in my version of the script. So it's her fault, but by accident, everyone feels very bad. They do the whole, um, they have to be self separated and I can't like know about the powers thing. But I think that they should write letters to each other or have some form of communication while they are physically separated so that they can continue to have a relationship while still having a barrier between them that they're not allowed to cross, and Anna doesn't know why they aren't. So then, at some point, which kind of happens in Anna's uh, musical number in the castle, which I think is nice. I actually like this idea. Sorry, what? You mean the fir for the first time in forever? Yes. Um, where Anna, which we see when we do the coronation, she's kind of become obsessed with the idea of true love, and I think that's a response for her 
from her being extremely lonely. Mm-hmm. And I I actually really like that. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I also think it's a very interesting commentary on Disney movies as a whole and how they've treated romance previously. I think that's a really good thing. It's awesome. It's kind of taking what Tangled started with how great amount of isolation would impact you. Yeah. And like really going into it with a character that explains also why she's quirky yeah. later on because she hasn't really talked to anyone who wasn't a servant since she was like six years old. So yeah, so I really like that. And I think when around the same time that Anna becomes obsessed with the idea of true love in response to her loneliness, she should become like upset or annoyed with Elsa because she's fed up with them being separated when Elsa's the only person who's like someone she can hang out with and she's not allowed to hang out with her and she doesn't know why and she says something to Elsa like an ultimatum or something like that where she's like like come hang out with me or like I'm not writing you anymore something like that that you would write to your sister uh and then during the coronation when Anna meets Hans or like it doesn't have to be Hans it's like some other person um I think she should want to leave and I think that should set off Elsa completely. And I think Elsa should become a villain. Not irredeemably so, because I think she should be redeemed at the end. But I think she that should set her off. And it didn't make any sense to me that her people through... Okay, Disney movies have had so many famous evil queens. Just because you're an evil queen, it doesn't mean you don't have a kingdom. I think... Elsa should get the kingdom. I think she should kind of... I I can see, picture a really cool sequence where she turns the castle into, like, an ice castle. Um, kind of similar to the one that already exists, but it's for her own castle that she's, like, fucking up. And um, I think she should banish Anna away or something similar. Um, but the, the, the twist of this all is, is that... In Elsa deciding to turn evil, reveal her powers, and do all this fucked up shit, Anna is going to now know why they were separated this whole time, and she's going to feel bad for kind of shutting Elsa off and not talking to her anymore. And she's going to want to come back to Elsa and try to mend their relationship and bring Elsa back from, like, the brink that she's coming from. Yes, I think that's a... Very interesting point on the original, or on the plot, and I like the idea of Elsa having more more control in what happens to her. Because yeah. I feel like a lot in this movie, stuff happens to her, but mm-hmm. she has no say in how or what it happens. Yeah. Stuff happens and she reacts, and it's just... In, well, the powers, I think, are enough of that. Mm-hmm. The powers happen to her, and so she doesn't have any self-determination. So when the uh, inciting incident starts, that should be Elsa taking control of yeah. stuff, but not knowing how to do it. Plus, I just, I love the idea of Elsa being, like, taking complete control of... um 
her kingdom and um and that would even be like a more appropriate place to then have let it go i know you said the original reason they changed it was disney didn't think let it go was a good song for a villain do you know why uh Disney essentially looked at the songs, and this is all technically speculation. Okay. Uh, but from what I've heard in rumors, and I'm sure it's been talked about elsewhere, is that Disney, while making the movie, Elsa was more evil. And we're going to talk about uh, what's been reported as the original plot. Mm. But essentially, they felt that Let It Go was too strong of a song to be sung by the villain, and it was too... Uh, positive to redeeming for a bad character to sing Mm. so they reworked the whole film around let it go which makes it even a little weirder that there's such a tonal shift yeah in those scenes i feel like that's really strange because like historically haven't villains have have like awesome songs yes but they're always songs proclaiming evil they're proclaiming evil this is also proclaiming control i think the thing though with my proposed version, and I maybe the original version, I don't know. I, I don't think Elsa, even in my version where she kind of goes way more evil than she does in this version of the movie, she's not um, a classic Disney villain in that she's, like, irredeemable. Mm-hmm. Like, she still need you... Um, it's kind of a different version of a Disney um, movie where she's still the second protagonist. Like, you're supposed to empathize and understand where she's coming from, even though she's making bad decisions. And the decisions are never, like, you know, I'm going to kill everyone in town or, like, something like that, where it's, like, very bad. It's sort of, like, um, basically, like, a trauma response or something to her being cooped up this entire time with, like, even less interaction than Anna's had and, like, being felt feeling, like, so shameful about who she is for so long. Um... And then, like, going too far in the opposite direction. But it's, like, not to the point that you don't understand where she's coming from. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, do you want to hear about the research I've done into the original version of this film? Yes. Okay. So this movie has been worked on for way longer than you think it has. <sighs> okay. As in, this film originally was being started in 1937. So this was a... Uh, 1930s. Oh, yeah, because of the Snow Queen, right? Yes. Walt Disney wanted to make a version of the Snow Queen, and it kind of just kind of was one of those projects that was continuously put on the shelf and stopped and started, mm-hmm. and then eventually led to this film. Uh, but the original version of this film's story, according to uh, James Hilbert of Entertainment Weekly, uh, he reports that originally... Uh, Elsa was much more Mm -hmm. villain-oriented. The film originally... Elsa and Anna were not sisters. They were just two people. And that prophecy that's at the start of the film that we kind of hear about the little troll people that say that Frozen is beautiful but dangerous. Originally, it was going to be that someone told the world a prophecy that someone of a frozen heart was going to destroy the kingdom. Mm. And 
since Elsa had like freezing powers, yeah, everyone was like, "It's gonna be that person with the freezing powers," because frozen heart, yeah, and her heart was uh, frozen because of, she got left at the altar or something, okay, something equivalent to that, yeah, and so she becomes all evil and destroys the kingdom, and then Hans turns out to be the actual villain mm. because he was going to destroy the whole part of Arendelle. Oh, so he's in the and, original script. Yes. That's surprising to me. I know. I will get back to that <laughs> one moment. I'm very surprised at it too. But originally, Anna has to go, or has to convince Elsa to stop the avalanche that's going to destroy Arendelle mm. because the frozen heart was Hans, yeah. not Elsa. Yeah. So she is evil the whole time and gets redeemed at the end. Why is Anna the one who has to go if they're not related? Uh, because Anna's the good one. Anna's just the one of pure heart. She's like a Barbie character. Uh, yeah, essentially. I'm sure it would have been more than that, but these are just they're quick like, synopsis yeah. reported from what Christian Bell has said. They're like, you're the best one around. Go fix it. <laughs> well, I'm sure if she's a princess, she has like responsibilities to the kingdom. Oh, uh, I guess that makes sense. But point being... But yeah, the thing that was surprising about this original ending, more than anything else, was that Hans was still in it. Yeah. Because Hans feels like such an afterthought, even in the film itself, because this has bothered me in the film. Mm -hmm. He's he's evil. Yes. I guess if we didn't say it before, spoiler alert (laughs) for Frozen. But Hans is evil, and... It doesn't work for me because when he first meets Anna at the docks, they're like cute and flirty for whatever. And then Anna leaves and we kept the camera cut to him. And he has the most heartwarming, sincere smile when no one's looking him. And even like the looking scenes, like him helping in the town to get goodwill, I can see that working. Yeah. It's that one scene. They cut to him smiling when no one's looking. Mm-hmm. He's genuinely happy that he got to talk with Anna. Mm. And not in like a sinister way. Do you it's... mean he's an afterthought as in him? It felt like him being evil was an afterthought? Yes. Yeah. He, he, like, it didn't even seem like in the context of this story, they realized as they were writing it, we need a villain that's not Elsa. Guess it's Hans, because yeah. who else can it be? Yeah. But that doesn't work for me, because he was nice in a sincere way in that one moment. No, and, and if... I feel like like if Elsa is the villain, you don't need Hans, really. And you need somebody that Anna's going to like run away with. Um, but you don't need Hans at the end of the movie. You know what I mean? But, interestingly, actually, the... Because the major issue I have with this movie is the relationship building. Yes. Um, I... I, Hans and Anna's relationship building was kind of the only one I liked. Yes. Like, it... They really wanted you to like him. And so I feel like they put in more effort than they did with a lot of the other characters. Um, For the... Maybe for the twist? I don't know. But, like, their song, where they were, like, kind of, like, falling in love or falling in lust or whatever. Um, love is an open door. Yeah. That was, like, I felt like that told me more than a lot of the other songs about, mm-hmm. like, the two of them and their building relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I actually liked the beginning of their relationship a lot more than 
the other characters uh, between mm. the other characters in the film. Mm-hmm. I I would agree that they have like a strong for a Disney musical. They have a strong build into the relationship. Yeah, and it kind of only turns out to be a bit of a feminist, a modern feminist Disney moment mm-hmm. where Elsa has to be like, what? You can't marry someone you just met on the same day. Yeah. And I've never liked that in new modern films because mm-hmm. it just feels very uh, patronizing to the audience where it's like, we get it. Yeah. This is also a fairy tale with well, a magic ice princess. Not only is it like a fairy tale, but it's also um, like, I don't know what, what time it's based in, but it's in the past and it's royalty. And in those cases, which are normally the cases for Disney films, um, marrying people very quickly is very common. And also, it fits really well with Anna's character. They yeah. spend a lot. They spend a lot of time, basically two whole songs, setting up that Anna really wants love because she's alone. <laughs> and guess... it's weird that they would spend so much time on that, yeah. but forget to build up enough relationship with Elsa mm. who's the crux of the film yeah and I actually really love that this film in every version seemingly in at least the recent ones the idea was that Elsa and Anna were the end friendship moral yeah above all else yeah I think that's really cool yeah it's a new version of the Disney princess but if they don't they forget to build the relationship. Mm. Ooh, okay. So speaking about the relationship, um, a continuation of my version of the film was Olaf, who I, who I don't like, by the way. I disagree. <laughs> you like Olaf? Yes, we'll talk about it after. Okay. Um, I would prefer a different version of Olaf, but the character, basically, I think when Elsa goes evil... He gets manifested by accident because he is a representation of her relationship with Anna, kind of basically as he is in this version of the movie. And I think he is there constantly as sort of a, um, almost like a Jiminy Cricket, as like a moral person who is um, uh, not loyal, but he's connected to Elsa because she made him so he's like there a lot and he's helping her and I actually think it should be very similar to the actual film where the first time Anna comes it doesn't work out and um Elsa what does she do she like shoots her and Anna leaves uh with ice not (laughs) Anna tells her uh that the kingdom's frozen over. Elsa freaks out because she didn't mean to and she doesn't know how to fix it. Yeah. And in her freak out, uh, she releases a huge ice wave power mm-hmm. and one hits uh, Anna in the heart and it freezes her heart, which the trolls told us at the start, if is your bad. heart is frozen, you can't fix it yeah. without love. Yeah. So I actually think it should be similar that the first time Anna goes, the conversation would be different, obviously, because the circumstances are different. But I think it should not work out. And then I think Olaf should leave Elsa and go help um, Anna. And then together, they're able to, like, you know, get through to her. Well, I think that's really cool. But while we're on the topic, Olaf. Yeah. I like Olaf. Okay. I like Olaf. Disney is always going to have a cute comedic character. Yes. That Disney's going to Disney 
in an ideal world, maybe they have a script that doesn't need it. But that's not what Disney does. Disney needs to sell toys, too. You know what? But Sorry, I'm going go to defend Olaf because unlike a lot of comedic relief, mm. like Timon and Pumbaa or the Gargoyles and Hunchback and Notre Dame, yeah. those characters got their laughs by being loud and obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Olaf gets his laughs by being quiet and yes. obnoxious, which is just <laughs> nice as a change. He tells his jokes in whispers, and it's cool because then you kind of have to listen, and it's very going on the naive child idea that he is with the story. So that's why I like him, because I like how it's a different take on comedic characters that gives the audience more respect Mm -hmm. than other ones. Yes. Okay. No, I agree with you. I think I... I'm overstating when I say I don't like Olaf. What I don't like about Olaf, honestly, doesn't have anything to do with anything he does or says. So, I like Olaf fine. I think what I don't like about him is I don't like his character design, and I don't like the choice of voice actor. I He creeps like his, me out. I like his character design. Uh, I can understand the voice actor thing. I think Josh Gad is a very particular I think uh, especially person. with how almost chi- childlike, yeah, how, like, childlike he is, um, I don't know. It just would have been nice to have sort of, like, a younger, cuter voice, like a kid or something. Well, it was interesting in the casting of this film. Yeah. Disney went for Broadway actors, mm. primarily, like Adina Menzel and Jonathan Gross, and, or Jonathan Groth. And Josh Gad, uh, he plays, uh, oh my gosh, I'm Christoph? He plays Christoph, yes, yeah. the ice man. <gasps> we should talk about Christoph. But I think it's interesting. So, yeah, let's go through the characters, actually. Okay. Because we kind of have touched on them. Uh, we talked about Olaf. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to add about Anna? Um. I think Christian Bell does a really good job with her role like it whatever you think of the role i'm always when she sings i'm pleasantly like wow that's a good voice and this is good work even if i don't like this joke yeah Anna's fine i don't feel strongly about her one way or another though i did really like her dress designs mm. uh what about let's go about to Kristoff. okay so Unlike most characters in this movie, I really like the design of Kristoff. I like that he's different. I know that he, or a very similar character to him, was supposed to be in Tangled um, originally as her love interest, and then they decided to go with Flynn Rider instead. Um, And I think, I might be wrong, but I think they kind of used their original idea for Flynn and kind of moved him over to Kristoff, which I think is a good fit. Um, I was kind of confused, having never seen the movie before, when he was first introduced, I was expecting him to be really nice, and it could have, it 100% admittedly could have been my preconceived notions, but I had a very hard time getting a read on who he was as a character until we got to the trolls. Once we got to the trolls, I actually really liked that scene. I really like that scene. I like the trolls. I like the troll song and how much it told us. 
Um, so I found that good, and then I found him after the troll song a lot more readable and consistent, if that made sense. Um, I don't, I don't know. How did you find him when we first saw him? Because I never could predict how he was going to react to things. I could. I got it. It's like a kind of a venturing dude bro, but like not an obnoxious dude bro. Just like the type of guy who's like, let's go hiking every weekend and works hard at a job. Mm. And so he's like a lot, but he's not obnoxious. But I got, I understand your perspective that they don't spend a whole lot of time developing him or anyone really. But Uh, him in particular, him also is subjected to, he is also subjected to that. Yeah. In that. I just think if you, if you compare him to um, Flynn Rider, since I think they're connected, um, I think in the first scene you see of Flynn Rider, from how he behaves to his character design, you have an understanding of who he is as a character. I found, personally at least, the design of Kristoff and how he was acting when we first met him kind of, like, incongruous. It, it didn't match up to me where I met the character and I knew who they were. Um, not that I think I came around to liking him. Um, but yeah, I kind of had like a hard time where I like wanted to like him, but then he was kind of acting like an asshole, which wasn't really what I wanted from him. Like I kind of wanted him to be like a cozy mountain man with his like silly friend, which is the vibes he was giving off, but it wasn't like the attitude he was giving me. Do you know what I mean? I do know. I do get what you're saying. I understand that, yeah. I, w- I would agree for the most part. I think that he uh, could have been more developed. I kind of I got what they were going for, and I'm more accepting, I think, than you of mm. just characters being like, he's this trope, let's move on. We'll yeah. develop more later. Yeah. So I'm fine with it more so than I think you were, but yeah. I'm... I get what you're saying. He took a while to develop. Very admittedly, my issue with his character could be that he wasn't what I wanted from him. From what I... The little I had seen of the movie previously. I was expecting... I had an expectation for him to be sort of, like, sweet and soft. And he, like, was not that. He was kind of grumpy and an asshole. And I was like, that's not what I signed up for. Um, So it very much could just be that it wasn't what I wanted from him. That's interesting, yeah. Um, yeah, I think we've talked about the characters in the plot a lot. I think we should talk about the music next, and then we'll circle back to a little other thing later. Okay. Because uh, I think we're on the plot of the music. Mm. We did talk about it before. Mm-hmm. The music is very front-loaded, as yes. in we have, within the first... 10 minutes we have like three songs and then we have the all the all but one of the songs done by the one third mark basically yeah Yeah. and then we wait till two thirds and we get one more song and that's it what even is the last song i don't remember it's the troll song that you liked the troll song's the last song yes wow because the order of the songs starts with that ice song that you felt was a waste of time yeah and then it goes to do you want to build snowman and then for the first time in forever loves an open door let it go uh in the summer which i forgot was the song in the summer and oh yeah with olaf 
let it go and uh, fix her up our troll song. So there's quite a, there really is a normal amount of songs here. Mm. And I don't even think that this is wrong in other movies. A lot of movies, musicals do this when yeah. you think about it in their other films. But it bothers me here because mm-hmm. the earlier songs are so quick quick together and so much filler, it almost mm. feels like. Yeah. Which they're not filler. They serve a purpose. So I don't know why I kind of get a filler. It would have been nice for us to have a big song at the end, which had to do with, like, even if Elsa's in prison. You know when she's in prison? Like Ooh, a something... prison song about why she's sad. Yeah. Like, something that leads us into the finale. Like, something from Anna, well, she's very, like, cold, but she maybe she's still thinking about Elsa, and she's still worried about her, even though, like, she's dying. Just, like, something that would also give us more of that, like, character and those, like, character relationships that I was wanting. But, yeah, you're right. It feels like we need a big last song. Because, like, that troll song, even though I really liked it compared to the other songs, like, it's, a poor it's, conclusion. it's not a closeout song. Well, it's not the closeout song, but thankfully it's not near the end of the film. We have a whole... <laughs> third act and climax yeah. that we had to get through. Uh, I I know you haven't seen it, and we'll probably talk about it some other day on the podcast, mm-hmm. but Frozen 2 does a much better job spreading their songs throughout yeah. and using them more particularly. Uh, I know that there's that famous saying by some Disney make, uh, music makers uh, that says... If you're, if you can take a song sequence out of the film, yeah, and if the story would still make sense, the song is done wrong. Yes, and for this film, you can't really do that, but you can almost do that. Yeah, which bothers me because See, the songs are important, but they're not important enough. They're saying something, and that they're not completely irrelevant. But they're not saying as much as they could. Especially in a musical where, like, normally songs pull a lot of the heavyweight of the storytelling and the relationships, as we've brought up. So it's like, it's not that they aren't doing anything, but normally they would be doing more than they are. But the thing is, every song on their own, I enjoyed. Okay. Like, I think they're all well-written songs. They're catchy. They're memorable. I think they're really good. I Let It Go, I think, is a really good song. Mm -hmm. I wish the tonal shift wasn't there. But otherwise, I like the song. And I like the way that they portray the scenes with the songs. I just think that the entirety of it doesn't contribute enough to the plot, which is disappointing. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Music is so uh, personal. Um, But I have... Just, uh, okay, I've never, like, let it go from the first time I heard it, when it was very popular, when this film came out. Looks like our podcast has just been canceled. (laughs) And it's part of the reason I never watched the film, because I deduced from how, like, insane that song was, was that it was the best song in the movie. Um, And I, I didn't like any of the songs in the movie. I liked the troll song for plot purposes for what it told me 
Um, and I, I like the set pieces that they did along with it. Um, but the actual song, I don't remember. Um, I really don't remember any song from the film. But to be fair, I'm very picky. And I'm not very picky with songs in general, but I'm very picky with Disney songs. In that I expect a lot from them. And it's, they are very easy to disappoint me. Um, like, I don't remember a lot of the songs from Tangled either. So, I don't know if it's, like, specifically a thing, like, it's, it's specifically Frozen's fault. No, I think it's more of a Disney thing overall with me, because I can't think of a recent film where I've been really, like, into the music. Um, which I want to be, you know? Well, I think uh, part of the issue is that Disney has changed how it tells its stories to do a lot more uh, plot twists, mm. which means characters can't have certain songs till it's too late in the story. Yeah. Which is why I like a lot more of the music from Princess and the Frog. Yeah. Because that does a more classic story. So you get some great villain songs. Mm. You get great establishing songs. Yeah. Because they're doing it in the traditional way. It kind of goes along with, like, the loss of the traditional Disney villain, right? Yeah. It's like, we're, they don't... It's like, they, yeah, they don't want us to predict what's going on anymore. Um, but it's to the detriment of some stuff that we, like, know and love from, like, the old Disney films. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I would agree. I think that the lack of Disney villains has hurt Disney's animation more than I think Disney realizes, but the films are still doing well. I mean, Frozen was the fifth most successful, so yeah. clearly it's connecting in the audiences. I just think it leads to less memorable songs and sequences because so much of the story has to go to the twist, which you can't really sing about as well. Yeah, you can't sing about it because then we know. Though <laughs> <laughs> That would be... Honestly, that would be really cute if we had somebody sing about how they were, like, two-timing, but then the plot just, like, acted like we didn't know that, kind of like how plays do sometimes, where, like, someone will talk to the audience like, I'm a bad guy, but they don't know about it. Um, that'd be really cute. And then, like, there's a twist, but it's only a twist for the characters and not for the audience, because we knew from the cute song. That'd be kind of cute. That would be a cute way for them to sort of do, like, because now the Disney twist villain is tired. They've done that too much. Yes. That would be, like, a cute way for them to kind of subvert the thing that they've, like, established. Yes, I would agree. I think the twist villain has worn its welcome out at Disney, and it's just becoming very expected at this point. Yeah. And, yeah. I'm... Okay, does that mean I can talk about the animation? Yes, you've been really looking forward to talking about the animation. Okay, so, the other reason I had never seen uh, this movie until now is the animation. I was part. I wasn't really part of it. But I was there <laughs> when the first uh, character designs for Frozen came out. And there was an uproar because um, Elsa, Anna, and um, Rapunzel from Tangled and Rapunzel's mom from Tangled all have almost identical faces. And it's just sad to see that repetition because um, it just feels lazy to me. I disagree with you. Why? I think it's just the modern <laughs> Disney style 
in the same way I don't complain that Ariel fell. Oh my god, I complain so much. I hate that. I don't complain about how they look similar because they're not the same characters. They're different characters. They just have the Disney look brand. It's so lazy though. I don't think it's I want like different faces from my animation. Everyone looks the same in real life. Animation is 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 to animate it. Is to make things like ah, I miss like in Atlantis. Everyone was really pointy, and they all had really. Why did you make a face at Atlantis? How dare you! Everyone was really pointy, and they had very specific character designs that went with the vibe of the story, and they would change them like not huge like revolutionary completely different shit but like they would change and tweak how they drew people and how they drew the backgrounds for each film to go with the vibe of the film and it's like every film had its unique presence because they were all everything was specified to the story of that film and I don't find that they're doing that anymore and that makes me really sad because I find it boring to look at and Uh, it speaks to me of a lack of care I think when I am described what Elsa and Lana look like, this Frozen captures what these characters would look like in this story. This story has this would work with this animation style for 3D. Uh, it this is just what I see when I think of these characters. This is the style that fits these stories, uh, and I think it gets some of that interesting visuals that you're looking for. With Elsa's ice powers. No. Particularly the castle building. Okay, here's the thing. <sighs> okay. The animation in this film makes me so mad. And I apologize, because I know you like some of it. But it makes me so mad. <sighs> okay, throughout the film, the film is so dark. And it's because it's so dark. If you look in the background, it, there's no detail. If you look at the castle walls, most of them are flat, or they're very lightly detailed and it's dark so that they can get away with that for the majority of the film besides the snow which is the opposite which is white also very easy to animate in the scenes where there would be more detail like when they are on the boat at the end when everything has thawed the background is very dark and only the main characters are in highlight these are all tricks that require you to do less detail. If you compare that with Sleeping Beauty, where they did a fu- they decided to do a wider frame for no reason. They just decided to do that and they animated the forest. They put all this detail into the forest and to the background. The care and the effort that went into that compared to doing these tricks that let you get away with less detail is just massive i don't think these tricks are as prevalent as you saw them i think you saw one scene that was darker no and you kept it going no there are scenes in this movie where the animation is not great particularly that ballroom scene where no one is moving in the background very much i think that's a abhorrently bad scene animation wise but otherwise, I think the animation is fine. No. And Elsa's ice powers, I think, are... It is not I think detailed. Elsa's ice powers are really well done. They use... Even with her ice powers, they like to contrast it against black, which, again, lets them get away with having no detail. All of this stuff is very rushed. 
feeling at least. I don't know if it was in, in person. Well, I would imagine in the context of what you're referring to, the rushed parts might refer to the sudden transition from story elements. But I don't think it was that rough. I don't think this animation's as bad as you say it is. I heavily I disagree. You... Also, if you look at them, there's, like, no detail. Nobody except Elsa and Anna have detail on their their clothes and their, like, dresses especially. The, that, I don't know what was going on with the coronation scene. The, the, but yeah, their, their Coronation skin, scene, we both agree, is just a mess. Their skin is so smooth. Like, everything, I feel like I can see the gray 3D animation models underneath the layers. It's like there's not enough layers of detail on top of them. There's the bare minimum that they could get away with. I just, I don't know if I agree on this, your description of the animation. Like, I, I get what you're saying and that they did the tricks and maybe they should have hit some of their tricks better. Because every film has tricks. They just probably, you haven't seen them yet. I, okay. The reason I have a problem with this is specifically because it's Disney. Because a lot of, um, a lot of smaller companies who don't have huge budgets, they're not, like, super, um, established, uh, they, they use all these tricks because they don't have a lot of money and they have to basically. Um, and I'm fine with that. The reason I have a problem with it is specifically because it's Disney and I know that they don't need to do it. I know that they have the money and the potential and the people and the resources to, to really care about their projects and to not have to cut corners like this. So I don't, and I don't blame the animators because I suspect with the freaking late script changes and stuff, they probably were rushed. They were probably rushed by the corporation who needed it out at a certain time, which is bad planning. So it's, <laughs> it's the, it's not even that it's like lazy or rushed. It's that it's lazy and rushed and it's from Disney and they should know better and they should do better because they've established themselves as being better than that. Well, that ball scene was unforgivable in terms of background characters. Like It's, it's just, Disney. They, they have moving. all the money and all the resources. They're not a little like animation studio that like can't afford to do more, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that sentiment. Okay, so overall, I, I, overall, I don't like the movie. And as I established, it's not because of any particular thing that happens in the movie. I actually like the potential the movie has. I think it's that abundant amount of wasted potential that makes me not like it. Like, it's 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 so much worse, for me at least, to... If a movie's just bad, I can enjoy it for being bad. And it's not... Like, it doesn't upset me. But if something is almost really good, or it could have been really good... And it's not through through missed opportunities and very fixable solutions. That's when it really bothers me. And I feel like that's where this movie lands for me. I think that the film has a lot of great moments. And it, in the end, I got a fun energy out of it. And I want my movies to be fun above all else. I, especially after rewatching it, there's yeah. a lot of structural issues. There's a lot of uh, tonal issues and... 
there's just a lot of stuff that I'm like, they could have done better at that. Mm-hmm. But in the end, I have a fun time watching Frozen. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Well, I think that is going to be everything for today on Friends at Film Camp. Thank you for listening to today's episode, and we will see you next time at Film Camp. Bye.